Thank you for joining us on the Crossroads Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you as part of our family. We're a community where people are welcomed home, built up, and sent out. Our prayer is for you to find meaningful relationship and belonging with both God and His people. We'd love to connect with you. Download the Crossroads Church app, follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or simply send us an email at info at mycrossroads.co. We pray that as you hear this message, you encounter Jesus and all that he has in store for you. Happy Easter, everyone. He is risen. And even though this is probably not the way we expected Easter to be this year, we know that God is up to something really, really big. God doesn't cause tragedy, but man, does he, he use it. And something I've been told is, is Bible sales and Bible downloads are at an all-time high. Last week, last time I, I heard the count was we had over 5,600 people that listened to last week's service. God is up to something really, really good. And if there's one thing that Easter teaches us, it's that God can turn our tragedies and he can turn them into triumphs. He can, if he can take the cross, the worst thing that can ever happen, and turn it into to where we have salvation, God can take whatever is going on in our life and in our world right now and turn it into a triumph. I thought we'd start out with a story today. I like the story about the Texas billionaire who had a daughter of marrying age, but she had no suitors on the horizon. So he decided he was going to take matters into his own hands. So he got all the eligible bachelors of Dallas, Texas together for a big Texas barbecue at his house. And after the barbecue, he took all the guys to the side of a big swimming pool that was filled with alligators and crocodiles. And he said, if any of you are gutsy enough to get to, the, to swim to the other side, he said, I will either give you $10 million cash, 10,000 acres of land, or I'll give you my daughter's hand in marriage. And after I'm gone, you get it all. Well, no sooner had he said that than all of a sudden they, everybody heard a splash and there's a young man that's swimming to the other side of the pool as fast as he can. Well, the alligators and the crocodiles, they see what's going on and they are in hot pursuit. And the young man just gets to the side of the pool before he is missed by inches by a, by a crocodile. All the guys, they gather around him and they're fist bumping him and they're slapping him on the back and congratulating him. And the billionaire came up to him and said, son, that is the gutsiest thing I've ever seen in my life. He said, which do you want? Do you want the $10 million, the 10,000 acres of land, or do you want my daughter's hand in marriage? And the young man said, I don't want any of those things. And he said, well, what do you want? He said, I just want to know who pushed me in the pool. You know, uh, a few months ago, it just felt like all of us, in fact, the whole world kind of got pushed in the pool. We were just uh, doing life, living life the way we normally do. And all of a sudden we found ourselves dealing with a uh, with a, a worldwide uh, virus and pandemic. And it left us reeling, and it left us scared, and it left us confused, and left, uh, left us worried about the, the future. But the good news is that 2,000 years ago, there were some disciples that were going through the same thing. They were reeling, and they were confused, and they were scared, and they didn't know about the future either. But that first Easter changed everything for them, and that first Easter can change everything for us as well. I don't think we can fathom how absolutely devastated the disciples were on Good Friday because they were totally convinced that Jesus was the Messiah who was to come. They were so convinced of that that they really bet the farm on it. They left their families. They left their friends. They left their jobs. They left everything to follow this itinerant preacher from, from Nazareth. 
But then he got arrested. And messiahs aren't supposed to get arrested. And then he's put on a cross. And even then, they're probably thinking at any moment, he's going he's gonna to jump down or send some angels and, and, and somehow get out of that. If you've ever watched a, a, a sporting event that you, that you really cared about and your team was down, but there was still that hope, there was still a couple seconds on the clock, and it was maybe, 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 but then the clock went to zero, and you realized it was game over. That's what they were feeling. It was game over. It was, it was done at that point when, they, when he was put in a, a tomb. And make no mistake, when Jesus was put in a tomb, their hopes and dreams were put in a tomb right along with him. And they were left with the feelings that you and I are, are feeling right now. One of those feelings was, was fear. They were absolutely convinced that the same people, the same leaders, the same Romans that, were, that killed their, their leader was going to kill them too. They were absolutely terrified for their life. And right now we're going through a, a fearful time as well, aren't we? We're fearful of a, of a virus. We're fearful of, of the economy. We're fearful of the unknown. We're fearful of being alone. We're fearful that life will never get back to the way we, uh, we, once, we once lived it. Another thing that, uh, that they were facing is, is just discouragement and disappointment. Life was not turning out the way they were hoping or expecting it to be. And right now, life isn't turning out this spring, this summer, probably isn't turning out the way we hoped or expected it to be either. I don't know about you, but I did not have quarantine or social distancing on my calendar. Some other things is, you know, some disappointments. Some of you probably are not going to have your senior prom or, or graduation will be different. Summer plans are, are, are changed. Spring plans were, were changed. Marriage plans have been changed. Job situations are, are, are changed from what you thought they, they would be. In fact, I have a couple of friends that they finally got a job after long, after long praying and, and hoping for that, only to, to have a job freeze happen the moment they actually got the, got the job. And something else is uncertainty of the, the future. They had followed Jesus for three years. Everything, their whole life had, had revolved around Jesus. Every day they had spent with him. And suddenly now they're having to navigate a new normal. And that's what we're having to do too, isn't it? We're having to navigate a new normal in life. And there's uncertainty about the future. But now let's take a look at some very, very good news. Easter tells us so many wonderful things. I want to take a look at three of them today. And the first is this. Hopelessness does not have the final say. I want to say that again. In your life, right now, in this world, hopelessness does not have the final say. Two of Jesus' followers were walking on the, the, the road and after Jesus had died. And this is what they said. They said, we had hoped, had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. Notice where their hope was. Their hope was in the past tense. Their, their, their dreams were in the past tense. Everything they were wanting for today and tomorrow was in the past tense. And for, the, uh, for a lot of us, that's where we find ourselves. For some of you right now, you may feel like your hope is in the past tense. You may feel like your dreams are in the past tense. You may feel in a hopeless situation right now. Here's the good news. They didn't have to be hopeless. They did not have to feel discouraged. In fact, the disciples at that time could have been absolutely filled with hope and encouraged. And you may say, how in the world could they be full of hope and encouraged when their leader was, was dead? 
It's because Jesus told them exactly what was going to take place. He told them all the things that were going to happen before they were going to happen on multiple occasions. Let's just look at, at one of the three times that Matthew says something. He says this, Now as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and they will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Was there any of this that was unclear? First of all, he told them where this was going to happen. He said it was going to happen in Jerusalem. He said who was going to hand him over, that it was going to be the chief priests and the teachers of the law. He told them what was going to happen. He was going to be mocked. He was going to be flogged. He was going to be crucified. And then what did he say was going to happen? He said he was going to raise from the dead. And he even told them what day it was going to happen on. It was going to happen on the third day. Let me ask you, did things happen the way Jesus told them they would happen? Did they happen exactly the way Jesus told them they were going to happen? You would think that at least one of the disciples would have said this. At least one of them would have gone, hey, wait, guys, this is happening exactly the way Jesus said it was going to happen. He told us he was going to be mocked. He told us he was going to be betrayed. He told us he was going to be crucified. And, and didn't he say something else about, about a resurrection? And one of the others would say, yeah, he did, man. He mentioned that several times. He mentioned that at least three times. And, and the other one would go, didn't he say something? How, how many days was it? He said three days. Yeah, that was right. He said three days. And so, so guys, wait, Friday was the first day. Today's the second day. Tomorrow is the third day. Guys, we need to be at the tomb tomorrow because we need to be having a welcome back party for Jesus. I mean, think about this. They didn't have to be discouraged. They didn't have to be hopeless. If they'd have just taken Jesus at his word, they could have been hopeful instead of hopeless. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? That God, just like he gave them promises, he's given us promises as well. He's given us promises of his presence. He's given us promises of his protection. He's given us promises of his provision. He's given us, given us promises of his, his blessings. And if, uh, if we would just listen to some of those promises and hold on to those promises, we too would be hopeful instead of hopeless. And I'm just going to take a look at, at three promises. And we could, we could talk about hundreds of them that are in the Bible. How about this? The first one was Hebrews 13, 5 that says, Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. He also said in Philippians 4.19, he said, my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. In Romans 8.28, he said that, that God will work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I want you to think about something. If we just held on to those three promises in this uncertain time, that God would never leave us or forsake us, that God was going to supply every need that we had, and that God was somehow, for those of us who love him, are going to work everything out for his good and for our good. Man, wouldn't that change everything? How would we be different? How would we live differently in this uncertain time? Let me ask you this. If you could go back and have a time machine or a you know, or a DeLorean with a flux capacitor and go back in time and you could talk to the disciples on that Friday or that Saturday, what would you say to them? 
Wouldn't you say, guys, I know it's tough right now. I know it looks bad, but everything's going to work out great, just like Jesus said it would. It is Friday right now, guys, but Sunday is coming, and Sunday is going to be incredible. I wonder if we could have our future self come back to this moment right now and talk to us at this moment. I bet we'd say something like this. I know it looks tough right now. I know things look dark and uncertain right now, but God's got you. God's got you in his hands. God's going to take care of this. God's going to make all things work together for good. And it may seem like Friday right now, but Sunday is coming. Not only does hopelessness not have the final say, helplessness does not have the final say either. You know, let's take a look at three amazing ladies that first Easter. In Mark chapter 16, it says this, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they could go and anoint Jesus's body. First of all, these were the original Spice Girls. And why did they bring spices? It wasn't so they could have a barbecue. They were going to, to basically embalm Jesus with those, uh, with those spices. And, and when the ladies got up that morning and were on their way to the tomb, they didn't know it was Easter. They did not know it was a Resurrection Sunday. They were not expecting to experience a, an empty tomb and a risen Lord. They were expecting to experience a corpse. They weren't going there to talk to Jesus. They were going there to embalm Jesus. And look what it says. I love this. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. Life for these ladies, just like us, uh, was really out of control. There really was not much they were in control of there. But there was one thing they, that they were control of, in control of and one thing they could do, and that was to give this parting love gift to Jesus. And that's exactly what they did. Now listen to what they were worried about on the way to the, the tomb, their big concern. They asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Their big concern was a stone that was too big for them to handle. Even with all of them pushing together with all their might, they couldn't do that. They were hopeless to move this, this stone. Maybe there's a stone in your life right now that's, that just seems impossible to move. Maybe it's something dealing with a relationship. Maybe it's a, a health issue. Maybe it's something dealing with your, your finances or your job or your career at this time. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's just life in general. For all of us, it's, it's one big stone called Corona, right? And so, but, but here's the thing that I want us to, to see. Besides the stone, there were other things that they were facing. I mean, there was also a Roman guard that was in their, in their way that they, that they could never, ever defeat. There was also a seal on the tomb, a Roman seal that they could not break. Because if you broke that, you would, be, you would be killed. So I want you to picture the hopelessness of their situation. There was a stone they could not roll. There, was, there were guards they could not defeat. There was a seal they could not break. And there was a corpse that they could not resuscitate. I don't know how bad your season is right now, but, but their season was pretty doggone bad. And you know, we watched some people uh, dance this morning. We watched Kristen and Sam dance. They went through a really tough time as well, a helpless situation as well. And watch what God did in their life.
we decided we wanted to have a family and we had been trying for over a year which I just did not think it was going to take us that long you know we're young people we're healthy people we're dancers we eat healthy we exercise and we still we couldn't even get a positive pregnancy test and then finally the one day we got a, two positive lines it was amazing and then um, it wasn't long and we miscarried. I am not gonna lie, I was struggling. If it was even God's plan and what God's plan actually was. I always felt like I was meant to be a mom and we were meant to be a family and he was meant to be a dad. And so I was struggling <clears throat> with, is God actually going to answer my prayers? And I think that's very hard as you think, I'm gonna pray and it's gonna happen right away. Like you sure. just, you know, like a, and so for me, it was praying not knowing if it was actually going to be answered and Sam I was kind of at both ends because I could see that she was struggling so I was trying to be kind of the opposite end and stay positive and it's okay we're doing everything we can from our end you know we just have to you know give it to God and you know he can take care of the rest and and continue to pray about it and be thankful for everything that we have already and um, but at the same time deep down inside I was kind of freaking out about it um, because then I started to think, well, what happens if we do get pregnant again, but we have a miscarriage again? Or, and it's just this cycle, this big circle that continues, you know. We miscarried on June 19th, and um, shortly after that, we came <sighs> to Crossroads and will invite us to come pray at the altar, and so we did. And I just tried to give it all to God and just really trust in Him. And, you know, they were telling us, you know, be specific in your prayers. And so, I just pray, I said, God, when it's the right timing, I just pray that you'll bless us with a healthy baby, and I just, I trust in you, and when that's gonna happen, and shortly after that, in October, um, we found out we were pregnant, and um, we actually found out that his due date was June 19th, which just happened to be the day that we miscarried on. So a year later, God was blessing us with our little miracle. Mm -hmm. Lisa instantaneously when you have a, a child you feel that unconditional love that everyone talks about but you don't really know what it is you think you know you're like oh yeah I have a wife I love my wife unconditionally oh I have brothers and sisters and mom and dad but when you have your own child it's like it's so separate and it's so different it's like the best feeling in the world um, and that, I mean for me I was just like oh this this is what everyone's talking about. This is that, that view of, of unconditional love. Then I just think about, wow, this is what God feels for us. Like, right. and that is why right. he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And it's just, you always say it, you know, growing up in the church and you're like, yes, I believe this. But, and then when it happens and you feel that unconditional love, like, yes, I, it's like, wow, God, thank you. Thank you for loving us that much. You know, thank you for saving our souls and saving our lives so that we can come it's just and that's how it really changed i think i understood even more how much god really does love us he's faced a completely helpless situation that first easter but when they got to the tomb Here's what they found. First of all, they found that the stone that they couldn't budge, it was already gone. The seal that they were afraid to break, an angel had already broken it. 
and the guards that they couldn't defeat, they were cowering in the corner. In fact, the Bible says they were shaking and they looked like, they looked like dead people. Don't miss that. Do you know what that's saying? That means this, that before they ever got to the tomb, God took care of the three biggest problems that they had. While they were walking, God was working. While they were talking about their problem, God was already in the process of removing that problem. The miracle was already in motion. You know what that tells me? That tells me that no matter what we're facing, no matter what the storm, a stone we're facing, God can take care of that stone and God can, can remove that stone. Something else it tells me is whatever we're worried about, God is already working out. Whatever you're worried about right now, God is already working out. You know, these ladies didn't see any of this thing happening. This was all taking place in the dark while they were on their way to the tomb. And I just want you to know that God does some of his best work in the dark. You may not see him working in your family right now. He's working in your family. You may not see him working in your marriage. He's working in your marriage. You may not see him working in your career. He's working in his career. God does some of his best work when we don't even see what he's, what he's doing. And something else, these ladies, there wasn't a whole lot of things that they were in control of. They could just do the one thing, and that was, that was help embalm Jesus' body and give him that, that love gift. But the one thing they could do is the one thing that they did. And when they did what they could do, God did what they couldn't do. And the same thing is true with us. A lot of things are out of our control right now. But one thing we can do, make no mistake, is we can pray. And when we do what we can do, God does what we can't do. And God can remove that stone and God can make a helpless situation totally transformed. Hopelessness does not have the final say. Helplessness does not have the final say. And fear does not have the final say. You know, fear was pretty much epidemic uh, on that first Easter Sunday. First, as we saw, the guards were, were terrified. But also the ladies, when they saw the angel, were scared as well. Even though the angel was on their side and gave them good news, he was freaking them out. But we have a record of, of what the angel said to the ladies. Listen to this. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. I love this. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. But Mark tells us their reaction from, from that. Even though he gave them very comforting words of don't be afraid, said this, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And then something really cool happened to the ladies as they're running. Jesus appeared to them. And you know what the very first thing that he said to them was? Don't be afraid. And then we have a record of Jesus appearing to the disciples. Where were they? They were terrified. Remember, they were behind locked doors. They were scared. And I love how Jesus appears to them. He doesn't knock on the door. He suddenly is just there. He just appears. And, and when people are terrified anyway, and suddenly you go, boo, hello, you know, like this. Uh, they had, you know, I bet there were some fishermen that screamed that morning. But here's what happened. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked from fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, don't miss this, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. 
You know, and everyone's scared to one degree or another right now. Some are a little bit anxious, and others are, are very uh, are just are just terrified at what's taking place in the in the world. I want you to know this. That's that. First of all, that's natural. That's our natural reaction to to change. It's our natural reaction to struggle and and some things that are going on in the in the world. But I also want you to know what Jesus said to them is the same thing that Jesus says to us. He looks at you right now. He looks at us as a church. He looks at us as a, as a nation and as a, a world. And he says this. He says, don't be afraid. And he said, peace, I leave with you. So hopelessness does not have the final say this Easter. If we just trust in God and believe his word and believe his promises and believe that things are going to work out exactly as he says they are, then we can be hopeful instead of hopeless. Helplessness doesn't have the final say either. Something that we need to know is that God can remove any stone in our life. And while we're walking, God is already working. God is working in the dark even when we don't see him. And also fear does not have the final say this Easter. That God looks at you and he looks at me and he says, don't be afraid. He said, peace, I give you. The Prince of Peace is with us and we don't have to be afraid. Not only does God want to give us, I really believe, uh, courage and hope this Easter. I believe God also wants to give many of us eternal life. Jesus died on a cross and he rose again for one big reason, and that's so you and I could have forgiveness of sins, and so you and I could have eternal life and be with him for, forever when we, when we die. And I don't, I don't care who you are. You may be a small child here today. You may be a youth. You may be somebody who just, somebody invited you just to, uh, to listen. God's got a destiny for you. God's got an appointment for you today. And if you ask him into your heart and receive him as your Lord and Savior, he comes in and he forgives our sins and he gives us eternal life. So for, if you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you're away from him right now and you, you want to come back to him, if you could pray this prayer sincerely from your heart after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I believe you died on the cross for sinners. And I believe today that you rose from the dead. I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. I give you the steering wheel of my life and I ask that you take control. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for a new beginning. Thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Lowell, first of all, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. We want you to know that we celebrate with you. We rejoice with you. And I can't think of a better day than Easter Sunday to, uh, to assure your salvation and, uh, and, and start a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you did pray that prayer with Pastor Lowell, we want to know about it, guys, because like I said, we want to be celebrating with you and rejoicing with you. We also want to be a source of encouragement um, and, uh, and discipleship for you. And so Lee's going to share with us a couple of ways that you guys can indeed connect and, uh, and share your good news with us. If you're watching with us on Facebook, you'll see that comment, comment with the link come up in just a moment for you to click on and, and go to our Hello card. If you're watching on us through the website or the app, if you go to the front page, you'll be able to find a little icon that has a hand up and it says Hello card. And, and that is where we want to get your information and get something back out to you um, and connect with you personally. Welcome to the family. Yeah. So guys, uh, stay tuned. Uh, Pastor Lowell's got the conclusion of his message coming up, and uh, the best is yet to come.
As I was walking and praying the other night, asking God what to say to you this Easter, what to tell you, uh, there was one sentence that really came to my heart really strong, and I believe it's something that, that God wants to, to say to you this Easter, and that's, the best is yet to come. And I'm reminded of a story that uh, goes like this. A woman was diagnosed with cancer and was given three months to live. Her doctor told her to make preparations to die. So she contacted her pastor and told him how she wanted things arranged for her funeral service, which songs to sing, which scriptures to read, and what, that she wanted to be buried with her favorite Bible. And she said, there's one more thing. And the pastor said, what's that? She said, I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. The pastor didn't know what to say. No one had ever made such a request before. So she explained, in all my years going to church functions, whenever food was involved, my favorite part was when whoever was cleaning dishes of the main course would lean over and say, you can keep your fork. It was my favorite part because I knew that it meant something great was coming. And it wasn't just jello, it was something with substance, cake or pie, truly biblical food. So I just want people to see me there in the casket with a fork in my hand, and I want them to wonder what's with the fork. Then I want you to tell them the best is yet to come. The pastor hugged the woman goodbye and soon after she died. At the funeral service, people heard the songs and the scriptures she loved and saw the Bible in her hand, but they all asked the question, what's up with the fork? So the pastor explained, for all those who die in Christ Jesus, our death is not a defeat, but a celebration. The best is yet to come. Everybody, happy Easter. Be encouraged, be blessed, and know that the best is yet to come because he is risen. Thanks again for listening to the Crossroads podcast. Check back with us weekly to hear more messages. We hope you have a blessed day.